Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And in today's episode, I'm doing Instagram Live number nine. And this one I'm doing on the Landscaping Podcast live as well as the Inside Garden Podcast. So I've got two phones in front of me, so we'll see how well that goes. Uh, the first, uh, so actually coming out uh, tomorrow's episode is with Adam White from Dorset Batiga. Um, so he's based in Brisbane. He's a, a pretty cool cat to talk to as well. So I chatted to him before the podcast and uh, as soon as I spoke to him, I knew he'd be an awesome episode and it was. So it goes for like an hour and 10 minutes. So that comes out on the 13th of March. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, it's already out. Um, but that's a, a really good episode and awesome guy to follow. But first, so if you've got any questions, chuck them in down the bottom. I'll uh, keep my eyes on both phones and see as they come up. Fair chance I'll get confused, so I apologise in advance. Uh, the first question is from the planted space. I've been told to, uh, a quote should be split around 50-50 for labour and materials. Does that theory have any merit? So I would say it doesn't. Uh, it's just like an old wives' tale because I gave a, a, a message for a good example. If I was doing, uh, say, 20 square metres of, of uh, paving, so if you were using um, eight by, 800 by 400, bluestone say 20 mil thick the cost of that isn't too much more expensive than what uh crazy paving is to buy so so let's say your materials to buy it are pretty similar might be 10 bucks a meter difference so 200 bucks but the labor for that 20 square meters you could do that in two days you could lay it and grout it if you were doing the 800 by 400 whereas it's going to take six or seven days to do the crazy paving so three times the amount of labor for the same area of paving. So that's just one example, but there's heaps of different examples you could use. Um, like it depends on the access, the cost of the of the stone that you're using. You could use like another example of paving. If you use it, you could be using 800 by 400 bluestone, which is one of the cheaper natural stones, and compare that to some sort of fancy limestone or imported stone uh, that might cost 200 bucks a square meter. So the materials in that are going to be a lot higher. Um, so yeah, def- it's not like it, sometimes you might look back when you do a quote, see out of interest, see what the ratio is for the labor compared to materials, but there's certainly no, um, no hard and fast rule on it. Um, next question was from very Clint. So Clint Adams wasn't one worth reading out, but his episode, he's, uh, got the full landscape podcast and the episode he just released uh, the other day with Steve Lowe from Ian Barker Gardens, probably one of the best uh, landscape podcast episodes I've heard. So uh, definitely worth listening to that. It was interesting because Steve's uh, like a, he's the construction manager there at Ian Barker Gardens, so he doesn't own the business, but the amount of value that he's got in that episode is crazy, so it's well worth uh, having a listen to that, so the full landscape. Uh, next one is from Shelbell. She's got a couple here. What's the best? I've written this really small, so I can't read it properly. What's the best study or qualifications to have to help you get a job in landscaping? Um, so I think the best thing to have to get help get a job in anything is passion for it. So it doesn't matter what sort of paperwork you've got, but um, as long as you love what you do, that's what someone is going to care about more. So yeah, there's 
certain there's a lot of people who got all the same like the, everyone has their white card and all this other stuff you can you can do that when you get a job if you if you absolutely have to but just having someone who wants to work and wants to do the job is more valuable than any piece of paper so um yeah and, and outside of that if you were still wanting to do some study to find out what the best one is i would work out who you want to work for and ask them what they th- what you think would be the best to give them a chance to get it to work at your at, at their place because they may also just see that see how keen you are to work there and might give you an opportunity straight away and then say while you're working here you can study this or that so um, that'd be a good way to do it i reckon and their other question was what's the best computer program to use when designing new gardens or landscapes so the like i've used landwork cad so that's a good one um for sort of engineering mathematics doing things you know quite accurately in terms of the presentation vector works is probably a bit better and that does a lot of the things that the, that the cad programs do as well uh, and that can do that can work to 3d so if i was going to start again i would do uh vector works i would use that uh, some people use sketchup and then you've got all sorts of different um rendering programs you can do, use on top of those programs as well so there's a, a deep rabbit hole you can go down eventually but um if you're wanting to, it seems to me like a lot of companies use vector work so that'll get you a long way but again if there's a particular company or group of companies that you want to work for ask them what they use so then you've got more of a chance of learning that skill and then being able to work for that particular company easier and then if you don't get in with them at least you've got that skill on how to use that program i got a question from plummets who would win in a fight between Jason Hodges and Scotty Cam? I would put my money on Jason Hodges. I think he's uh, I think he's younger, and I don't know where Scotty Cam is from, but I think Hodges was from around you know, Sydney. So yeah, I would I would have my money on him. Um, so don't know if Scotty Cam's going to be at the Garden Show, but if if he is, we'll we'll see if we can hook that up. Uh, Chris Operco says, what process do you use to stick natural stone to pool coping on a fiberglass pool shell? So I'm not doing a lot of fiberglass pool shells at the moment, but in the past I've done a couple of different methods. So one was uh, using Sikaflex on the on the pool shell and just mortar for the over the concrete beam, and that works pretty well. But other times I've just done straight mortar over both and I've never had an issue with both. But in saying that, like the if in times when you've had to pull the paper up, the mortar definitely doesn't stick to the fiberglass shell. It comes up pretty easily, sticks to the paper, and then you can see a nice smooth bottom to it. Um, so that's not good for adhesion, but uh, it's but it does set at the right height and the, the, it sticks to it, sticks to the to the slab. So uh, I've never had any problems with them because the the concrete beam should be moving with with the pool shell. So there's no. It's not like they're moving at separate rates. They certainly shouldn't be. So they should be moving together, so it shouldn't matter too much. So, um, but yeah, if you wanted to go hardcore, go with Sikaflex or uh, the Marpe might have a, a better idea on something to use that might help, or the pool pool companies might have an idea. But but yeah, that's what we use. Uh, Leaf by Leaf said, "Do you have your misses working on the uh, on the books, or do you try to keep work and life separate?" So my wife doesn't have anything to do with the business, doesn't care about it either, and, yeah, that works well for us. Um, I like working with numbers and I like the business, the accounting side of things, so I'm happy to do that myself. I don't 
um, need or want someone else doing that. Um, so the only other time that she gets involved with the business would be when there's um, – uh, because we've got a family trust set up, so she's a beneficiary of that. So if I'm making too much money, which hasn't happened for seven years, I think, think uh, she can take a portion of what my income would have been so that we don't have to pay as much tax. But you want to talk to your accountant about that, so a lot of people set up like that. When I first started the family trust, I reckon it was the year that I started it was when they changed it, but you used to be able to have your kids as a part of that as well. So you could, you know, send part of the money to your wife, send part to the kids, a certain amount. Uh, but then they changed it so now you can only sell like $425 per child, which is not really worth it. But, yeah, it was just a way of paying less tax by diversifying where the money goes. And everyone, everyone should want to pay less tax. Nevada Gardens said, what is the rudest client experience you've had and how did you deal with it? So I've had a couple in the design side of the business where I had one fellow, when, so back when I was charging $770 for a design, um, I did a design for him and then sent it to him and he sent me a message saying how disappointed he was because he thought he'd be getting 3D images for that price. I said, well, that's it's a pretty cheap price. This was only like five years ago, I reckon, so... Uh, it wasn't that long ago that the price, the design prices should have been that cheap. Um, but yeah, he expected 3D, and he said, "I've got friends. I've got a friend who's in Melbourne who's a landscape architect, and they they said for that price I should be getting 3D renders." So yeah, so he didn't pay the full amount, and I just yeah, whatever, who cares? There's no point arguing with it. Like there's just people like that who exist. So every now and then you're going to come across it. As long as you like, you move on pretty quick. So not much stressing about it because it's just money, and then you just learn from that mistake. So even though it wasn't a mistake that I'd made, but just learn from that experience, I suppose. So now what I do is I'll charge fifty percent of the price, the design price, before we start the design, and then fifty percent before we present it to them. So then you paid before they've got the design, uh, and explain that to them before you start the whole process, so it's not a surprise to them. Because I've had people. Just recently, actually, so we, I said all that. We went out and measured up the job, and then everything was all good. Asked them what their budget was, and I said probably it's probably going to cost a bit more than what what you like, but we'll work towards that. And then um, I sent the invoice, and then hadn't paid for a week, so I followed up saying, "Yeah, are you happy to go ahead with the design?" And then they said, "No, we're not. Our budget's probably twelve, fifteen thousand, so can't proceed with that." So. If we had, a, if I hadn't have charged that deposit up front and we just started the design, then that would have been a waste of time as well. We would have had done the design and and then they wouldn't have gone ahead with it anyway and wouldn't have paid for it. So, so that's probably that's something from that initial rude client where I'd learned from it. So, once once a bit and twice shy. Our next question is from Greenco Landscapes. How hectic is that? Good breathing mask you have is it good is it cool enough so that's in relation to a, a re- couple of few reels i've been doing where i've been cutting natural stone so i've got a, a full face mask respirator so it's a it's from 3m and i think it's a, the model number is 6800 don't know what any of that means but it's uh it's like a, a full face mask with the clear shield on the face and then two uh filters so they're interchangeable filters so Probably just about due for a change, actually. But 
Um, but that's just so you're not breathing in dust and uh, and it's yeah protects your face as well and your eyes. So yeah, I love it. it Cost about four hundred bucks when you include the filters, but then the filters might be twenty bucks to replace um, every yeah. Depends how often you use it, but if you're using it full time, it'd probably be I reckon maybe once a week you'd change it, but that's that's full time for a week, so you get a fair bit out of it. And don't quote me on that. You're better off changing it too much than not enough. But, yeah, I haven't used it on a hot day, but I haven't had any issues. Like, you can breathe normally in it. Uh, you can breathe fast. So, yeah, I can't see why it would be any different if you weren't wearing one. It doesn't because, uh, you, yeah, part, not not a lot of your face is inside it. The, the top of your head's still out of it, so that's expelling a lot of the heat. But, yeah, I love it. Uh, Leaf by Leaf has got another question. What's your thoughts on uniform? Is it necessary on a building site? And more importantly, what's your thoughts on track pants in winter for drop kicks only or? So start with the track pants. That's for drug dealers only on site. But in saying that, I did wear track tracksuit pants. Uh, I don't know, was it last year or the year before maybe? So I had an operation on uh around my backside area. So well, I was supposed to be at home resting, but we need to work to get done. So I was just on site, but I couldn't wear anything other than tracksuit pants. So, and I'm not a drug dealer. So they are, there are exceptions when they're acceptable on site, but um, not very often. And in terms of a uniform, I love uniforms. So I think it looks so much more professional than if you're not wearing it. You know, like you see a lot of concreters walking around in just a T-shirt and fluoro, like fancy colored board shorts. That's yeah. There's another like it. It makes no difference to the amount of, to the quality of work you're doing, but it just makes it look more professional, and uh, and maybe it does make a difference to the quality because you feel more professional, um, because you feel like part of a team. But yeah, and it's just it's good for advertising. Just yeah, and I, like I, I take my shirt in as well. I don't I don't make my staff do it, but. Um, but that's something I do. But so I like to look professional. But in saying that, we've got a singlet, and I wear that a fair bit. So that's not obviously not that professional. But at least it's a a um, a branded singlet, so it's got the logo on the front and the back, and they're all the same. So I'll, yeah, I think anything with your logo on there makes a huge difference with how professional you look. And um, yeah, and that's like the word of mouth is the best way to get work, and that's one of the things that contributes to that is the professionalism. Uh, Desert Flower Landscape, he said, what was the highlight of the podcast we did together? I did say to him that it was the the end of the podcast because it was over with, but I was only joking, obviously. But the first few minutes were was a great start because so uh, that was, I've done it a few times where when I start recording the podcast with, or when I start the, the Zoom call with the guest, uh, I've got the record, the uh, Zoom recording automatically because i don't want to have i don't ever want to forget to press record because that'd be shattering to have a great conversation and realize i didn't record it because you don't not only not only have to do it again but i'd feel embarrassed uh, and there'd be think it just wouldn't be the same i feel bad enough taking up people's time anyway without having to do it twice and say all the same things again so it records as soon as the zoom call starts as soon as i started on my end uh, and then we're just usually chatting for a little bit at the start with the guest before and then yeah sometimes it's two minutes in and sometimes it's 15 minutes in the episode with adam white this week is it was 20 minutes in before we started recording because he was uh driving around his property to get service 
Um, so it varies on when it starts, but the one that I did with Malcolm, uh, we we started you know getting into value straight away before I'd started the actual you know podcast officially. Um, so there was so much good stuff in there that I decided to put that in, even though it doesn't sound all that professional from me. So yeah, doing that, but it's more about the value that you get out of it. So that was a good thing to have, and I did like also talking to him about the yoga. You know, I was doing that. I've uh, certainly got a lot slacker on that these days, but I'm just sort of uh, working and sleeping and getting up and getting straight into work again. So uh, after the garden show is done, I'll, uh, I'll get back in good again. But my body's feeling pretty good now, so it's not like I'm struggling without doing it. But, yeah, that was good to talk about. Uh, Abcam Ab Horticulture asked this question uh, end of end of the last episode, but... Just missed out. But he said, do you receive a plan from a designer and think that a certain part of it won't work, either functionally or aesthetically? And if you do, how do you go about fixing the problem? So he gave a good example because he obviously does uh, maintenance. And he was talking about how when, like if there's a swimming pool that's got a 400 mil beam around the outside and then just immediately next to that beam is a garden bed with a hedge in there that is supposed to be three or four metres tall, so there's obviously no room for him to put a ladder or something to get up to that height. Like it's all good and well trimming the face of it, but to be able to get to the top, you need to get up there. Um, so that was a, a good example that he gave, but it's one that I wouldn't have thought of. So that's something that's important for designers to think of when they're doing designs is how are you going to maintain it? So if you want a hedge to be that high, you need to think about providing enough room to be able to get a ladder in there. Um, so... What I would do in that case is talk, like, obviously, once it's built, you can't do anything about it, but talk to the designer about it and, like, explain it to him, like, exactly like he's explained it to me. Um, and it's the same in terms of construction. If you're doing construction and you realize something that it's hard to do and can be done easier, you can still do it so that it's done the way the designer said so. But talk to the designer and say, oh, this was a bit of a problem here. Maybe we could do this solution instead. Um, so you certainly don't want to go to the client and start whinging about it directly to them because that doesn't help anybody. It just makes it awkward because they may absolutely love the design or everything they do and then you might look like an idiot and that's because the way it was done was something they specifically asked for. So, yeah, just communication is the key to that as well as, as just like most things. Um, so, yeah, you're better off talking to them about it and then you can both learn from it. And they may explain to you, we couldn't do it that way because of X, Y, or Z. And then, then yeah, then it might make sense to you. So you both learn something out of it. So, yeah, it's a great question because um, I've said it to, I think, I don't know if I, I think it was when I was talking to Bethany Williamson about how valuable it was when she was working for Ian Barker Gardens, having the construction team part of the business as well. So that for that exact reason, so you can design something. And then if something doesn't work, they're, there to explain well this didn't work or that worked so it's good having that whereas if you're just a design company you're not getting that feedback from the construction crew or the maintenance crew so again Ian Barker Gardens got the maintenance as well so they can have that all all three communicating together so yeah good question and that's also a good example of how important that is to to communicate even like especially when you don't have the different arms of the business within your business, whether you're just design or just construction or just maintenance. Uh, next one is from Illawarra Landscape Maintenance. 
do you think your landscaping skills and knowledge were established as an employee with uh, established more as an employee with different companies or do you think you've improved your skills most through your own business and work so it was definitely it would definitely be more uh that my skills have grown a lot more working for myself but i've also been working for myself for a lot longer so i start i was working for someone else for like five years and i've been working for myself for 13 and a half years so just purely by the way to numbers it's i've learned more in that 13 and a half years than i did in the five but in saying that i was horrendous when i started landscaping as an apprentice knew absolutely nothing everyone i knew thought it was weird that i was going into a trade because i just had no um yeah just there's nothing about me that was saying that i would have gone into a trade don't know what they thought i would have been doing but i'd worked in hospitality before that so this assumed that's what i was going to do so i did um like working in bars and that sort of thing but um or more restaurant bars but yeah certainly not any anything trade related but and then on my first like actually when i was at school i was doing graphics in year nine and the teacher told me that I shouldn't do it in year 10 because I was that bad at it. So he didn't recommend that I go on with it. So I was certainly no good at the artistic side of things. And then in woodwork, I had uh, I used more putty than anybody else because all my cuts were horrendous. I was really bad at it. So, And then, yeah, electronics, I did that for one day and it was didn't make any sense to me. I had no idea what I was doing. So, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing at all when I started landscaping. Literally hit my thumb with a hammer on the first day and thinking what have I got myself into um so in terms of um you know what I what I learned like if you put it into two five-year periods next to each other I definitely learned more as an employee than what I did in the first five years of business because in the first five years of business you're sort of just doing stuff you already know and kind of building that you know establishing the, the business as your own you're not um you're not doing a lot of new things like I do now, like expanding the, your skill set. Like that's how I was doing it anyway. So going from zero to what I learned at the end of my time as an employee was definitely a lot more than from year five to year 10. That Like that's just purely landscaping school related. There will be a short, shortish one this week. Still going 23 minutes, but... Uh, this one's from Jaden at Weber Landscapes. Uh, what do new employees say when you tell them that you don't have any breaks during the day? That's an interesting time for that question because uh, we'll talk about that again in the episode with Adam White that's just coming out. But um, so when I when I have a new employee on, I'll tell them that the that they can stop for a break if they want to. But like, obviously, if you like, you can have smoking whenever you want, but. If you stop for a lunch break, you don't get paid for that. So you're going to be here for the same amount of time. But like if you stop for half an hour, you won't get paid for that half an hour. So you can do it. But yeah, it's just not something I like to do because I don't feel good after having after sitting down and eating for half an hour. Um, so you can do whatever works for you. Like my guys bring food and they eat during the day, but it's not like a formal sit down where everyone stops at the same time and sits down and chats for half an hour that turns into an hour. So there's there's days where they have more breaks than not and then there's days where they don't have any breaks at all so it's just whatever works for you so it's just so it's not that we don't have breaks but it's just that they're not 
you set, you know, 15 minutes at 10 o'clock and then half an hour at 12.30. You just do what, what feels right for you. And uh, and it's not the same every day. So, yeah, just whatever works basically. But but when I do say it, like when you put on a new pl- employee, they just, they'll agree to whatever you say anyway because they're wanting to impress at the start. So they just, you know, no one's ever kicked up a stink about it. They just, their eyes get a bit wider and then they say, oh, yeah, no worries. And and some people are fine with it and some aren't. But I guarantee you, I mean, like it might, it's a bit of a shock when you start doing it, but uh, you soon learn that you can do a lot without having to stop and eat all the time. Uh, it's just about training your body, really. Okay, so that is it for today. So it is the shortest one, but some still good good quality questions in there. Uh, so next week, uh, what is today? Today's the 12th, so there'll be the 19th. That'll be the so – I'll be going to the garden show because I'll start building at the garden show on the 20th, um, but I'll be going there on the 19th to start setting it up and getting the, the uh, geofabric down and marking out where things are going. So when we do this chat, this Instagram live next week, it'll be the day after of the day that I've been to the garden show to start setting out. So might have some more garden show questions next week, possibly. But but yeah, we're looking to put it out regardless. So this will come out. This episode is the I don't know when this is will come out on the Thursday. We'll do the same thing again next week. So next week will be the tenth Instagram live. We'll see how we go doing the one after that because that'll be during the build. So that could be a good one, though. I'll be pretty exhausted by that Sunday, but um, it, it'll depend how we're going with the build, whether I am home in time or if I if we're – so if, we're, if it's not going ahead, that means things aren't going too well and I'm stressing about getting finished. But but next week we'll be on and then we'll we'll go on from there. So thank you very much for everyone who put in a question. And if you got – I, put, I did put the questions up a bit late this week, but we still had some good ones. But if you have any questions uh, that come up during the week and you, um, I haven't put the question box up, feel free to send me a message and I'll, uh, I'll add it to the list anyway. But thanks to everyone who added a question and for tuning in.